Well, welcome to Boom. Welcome to Boom. I'm Melissa. <laughs> Can we ever do anything Can we normal? Ever I don't be normal. The answer is no. The answer Hard is no. no. It's 2023 and we still can't be normal. And so. I'm 2023. And <laughs> no. But you're almost 30. Hello. Oh Are we allowed to talk about that on okay, Boom? You're or no? all. Yeah. <laughs> Why would we not? It's our podcast. <laughs> it's our party. I am too. So. Yeah, I was just gonna say, yeah, what, what are you it's doing? It's a big this year life? for 2023 is a big it's year. It's a big one. I'm super excited. Heck yeah. Oh my gosh, it's also the year of the rooster. Well, we better start partying. Oh my god. <laughs> we gotta start celebrating. Wait, I, I made that up. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. not. Well, we guess you still can celebrate anyway. Yeah. What I don't know it? why. Do you know I what year it is? That. No. Okay. It's year three roosters when I when we were born. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. my brain my brain just did the wrong thing. Okay. That because we had a birthday. Let's well, see the we connection yeah. that it would be the year of the rooster again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's multiples of twelve, so on our thirty sixth birthday. I oh. Think we will, it'll be year of the oh, rooster. I didn't know that. I think. I All could right. be wrong. We should You're never wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Biomechanics on Our Minds. My name is Melissa Boswell. And I'm Hannah O'Day, and we're PhD students at Stanford University. This podcast is brought to you by the International Society of Biomechanics. It's It's time time for Boom. Boom. Welcome to Boom. We have biomechanics on our minds. Boom. 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 Wow. Okay. Well, after that, if you're still with us, today we have a special episode on productivity and well-being, which I think is perfect for the new year, for 2023, or if you're turning 30 or turning any age. We spoke with Brent Shaw, who is the Director of Research at the Darrow Stem Cell Institute, and is a coach for students to help them improve their productivity and live happier, more fulfilling lives and improve their well-being. So it was really fun to talk with Brent about lots of different topics, including... Goal setting, focusing, and just enjoying the journey. Yeah, which is, I think, a a good reminder. You know, we always have these big goals and deadlines and things that we're working towards, but it's always good to remember to enjoy where we're at, too. Yes. It was also cool that he had some science-backed tips. sounded like he had a lot of research or data, previous data, that supported some of the things he was recommending, which was cool. Yeah, and they're super actionable, and I'm excited to try some of them. And hope that our listeners will enjoy trying some of them as well. Also, Brett mentioned a few times how weekly goal planning is really helpful. And I definitely found that helpful, especially in graduate school, as well as other tools like time blocking and breaking larger deadlines into smaller, more obtainable deadlines and goals. And I'm really excited to share that I actually took the tools that were most helpful to me during graduate school and created a quarterly planner for researchers called the Organized Researcher. It's so cool. Yeah, Hannah's been prototyping it's all really of my amazing. designs from the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> starting with uh, yeah, just local print shop planners, and now it's actually available on Amazon. So I'll link the link if you want to check it out. It's in paperback right now, or I can also email the PDF if you reach out to us. I'm going to try to figure out how to put it on the webpage. But it has a quarterly plan where you can map out the quarter's goals and intentions and deadlines and then break those deadlines down into smaller ones. And you can add those into individual days. And then it has weekly plans that do help you prepare for the week ahead, 
You can set work and personal goals, plan out papers and podcasts you want to learn from. You can They're, schedule boom to you listen can, to boom. You can write down <laughs> boom episodes that you want to listen to. And other things like quotes by scientists that I felt like were inspiring and like different tips on wellness or organization, things like that. And also a little gratitude list for you, which is a scientifically proven mood booster, which we've talked about, I think, on mm-hmm. the podcast before. And then for the daily things, I organize customizable time blocks, which for me have been really effective when I really need to organize my time and carve out chunks where I can do more deeper, more focused work. And then finally, each week and quarter is followed with reflective questions that'll help you just be more aware of how you spend your time and what supports and hinders your work and really reflect on all the accomplishments that we make, both big and small and and what we learn each day and each week. So yeah. So if you want to check it out, the link is in the description. Um, Let me know if it's helpful to you, if you try it. (laughs) And yeah, I'm really excited to have the chance to share it with you. It's really amazing. I got to prototype it and some of our lab mates have prototyped it and it's only gotten positive feedback. So also leave your review on Amazon. Oh, thanks. (laughs) um, In this interview, you'll hear a lot of great tips from Brent. But as he was talking, I was kind of like, oh yeah, Melissa does this. Oh yeah, (laughs) Melissa does that. Oh yeah, that's in the plan. I just love trying organizational things that I learn. And I feel like the ones that have stuck are what I tried to put in this book. And you can use what works for you Mm -hmm. and it, it has different options for it and I'm really like I love that you tried it and gave feedback on it and it's I use it too and I always like I'm kind of by the you shouldn't be like trying to sell anything that you wouldn't use yourself you know not trying to sell it but at least like <laughs> recommending yeah. it to other people you know if it's not something that you use so it's something I use daily and yeah hope it's helpful well now we will learn some helpful tips and mindsets for time management productivity and overall well-being with Brent Shaw Hello, everyone. Today, we're talking with Brent Shaw. Brent is the director of research at the Darrow Stem Cell Institute, as well as a personal coach and host of the Student Performance Podcast, so he is a pro at this. And he mentors students to live happier and more fulfilled lives by teaching them how to get better grades in a shorter amount of time. And so we hope that there'll be some learnings from this episode that will be useful to you all. So Brent, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're so excited to talk to you and learn from you. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. We're like to start off sort of at the beginning of your story. And so we always ask the question, when did you first know you wanted to, and in your case, be a personal coach and give advice to students? So basically what in your personal journey led you to that moment? Yeah. So on, on Instagram, I'm kind of known as the real student mentor. When I wasn't the real, that's my handle. And I wasn't the real student mentor out of the womb. I like to talk about like I was the fake student mentor and what really kind of for people who don't know my story, I want to be a physician. Right. And I was kind of under the assumption, well, I'll just become a doctor. Everything has kind of worked out. You know, I got into a good college. I'm getting good grades and well, you know, things will just manifest themselves and I'll eventually become a doctor. And then I realized kind of like I had an aha moment my junior year of college. uh, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I remember I was studying in the library and I was like, I want to be a doctor, but what have I done? Have I shadowed a doctor? Have I volunteered? Have I done anything? And the answer was no. Like the only thing I had on my resume until my year of college was I was a camp counselor. So I was really good at singing the camp songs, but I don't think that was a prerequisite for med school. Right. So 
I was really interested in stem cells, particularly how they could help athletes get onto the field more quickly and, and avoid surgery. So I told myself, all right, Brian, it's time to put up or shut up, basically. You are going to email every single stem cell doctor in Los Angeles asking just to learn from them over summer. You know, I don't care if I was sweeping the floors, taking out the trash. I just wanted to understand what a doctor actually does. So I wrote all these been emails a small and pool. I got... <laughs> yeah, it was it was not every every doctor in Beverly Hills seems to do this stuff. Oh my gosh! So anyway, I, I emailed all these doctors, right? And there was this one particular doctor that responded to me in 12 minutes, and he responded with the message, the letter U, the letter R, welcome anytime. And I was like, <laughs> what kind of doctor? Talks oh, like yeah. a middle schooler on AIM, you know, back in the Yeah, AIM it was like, so I'm intrigued like, immediately. <laughs> yeah, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Is this guy like a scam? Like, yeah. what the hell is going on? <laughs> but anyway, we conversed back and forth, and I looked at, you know, all his website, and he was legit, right? Yeah, like, so okay, he's a real summer, person, yeah. Yeah, real person, real MD, you know, not a fake MD. <laughs> but every day during that summer, I went into, his name's Dr. Darrow, I went into Dr. Darrow's office and did whatever I possibly could to help out. And I was really shy, I was really intimidated, right? Because I've never done any of this before, so I was really quiet. And I'm not that much of a quiet person, but I, was, I didn't really talk to anyone. Right. And it wasn't until the staff of the doctor's office, you know, started asking questions, kind of getting me out of my shell was when I was really actually in help. So basically what Dr. Darrow does is he takes stem cells from your bone marrow. So he drills into your iliac crest, which is the back of your pelvis while you're awake, you're not put under and he sucks up your bone marrow using a syringe, spins in a centrifuge and then re-injects it back into you in the same day. So pretty crazy stuff. And what I realized is they didn't have a clinical research department to track their patient outcomes. So how, okay, these patients get these procedures. Well, how are they doing two weeks after procedure? How are they doing annually? Things like that. So I kind of filled that void where I created this whole clinical research department during that summer while I was there working hard every day. And at the end of the summer, I was promoted to the director of research at 21 years old of this whole stem cell wow. therapy clinic coming from just being a camp counselor on my resume just a couple months ago. And the lesson here is it's not that I'm anyone special is that you really got to push yourself out of your comfort zone because you don't know what people are willing to help you until you ask. You can't get a yes, right? Until you ask for help. So that's the whole, I kind of like the whole theme I think of this episode is we can't do everything ourselves. We do need help. And in my case was asking for help from Dr. Darrow, just to show me the ropes, just show me what he does on a day to day basis. And you really never know what could come of it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a couple of things really stand out from that. One is just having that initial courage and vulnerability mm -hmm. to put yourself out there and send all of those emails. So I am curious, like how you feel like you, what helped you be able to do that. And then second, I think was sometimes it feels like when we want to do something like be a doctor, like we kind of just want to like jump into like a role of being a doctor. And it's kind of like those in between things or like the initial things we might have to hmm. do to get there that might feel like below what we want to be doing or like you're saying, I'll take out the trash. I'll do I'll like do whatever. And, and I feel like sometimes those, those are also difficult positions for us to actually like be willing to put ourselves in and like put time into and really be willing to like work up from there. So I guess I'm curious with both of those, like being able to send the emails and then being willing to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and knowing that it will take a lot of time to get to where you want to go. Like what was helpful in those situations? 
Yeah. So going to your first question, I should have done this way earlier. Freshman year, I <laughs> wish I would have done this, right? And it was kind of like, I was just, to put it frank, like sick of my own shit, sick of my own complacency. Like, you know, I think of thought of myself as a high achieving person and kind of this cognitive dissonance of the person who I wanted to be, right? And the person who I was now. And it was like, okay, what can I do over the summer to get me closer? Just one step. I was like, okay, an easy thing that I can do is send an email. Right? It'll take me 10 minutes to draft this email. And the amazing part of this whole process was that like, 15 minutes total, right? 10 minutes to write the email and then 12 minutes for him to, to respond back to me. And I had a summer internship. I was like, is it that easy? Like, what the hell? <laughs> so, so a lot of it is just putting yourself out, right? And if you can't do it yourself or you feel too uncomfortable, then get an accountability partner, right? Have a friend who's also wants to push themselves out of their comfort zone and you can hold each other. Okay, did you send your email today? And hold each other accountable because we do need those people to hold us accountable in the things we don't want to do, make us feel uncomfortable. Answering your second question, it is tough. There is kind of a dichotomy of it because yes, I'm happy just to be there, right? But if I was only taking out the trash and only mopping the floors and wasn't learning anything for the whole summer, then that's ridiculous on my part. Like it was kind of a waste. Like what did I learn? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So doing right. those things is providing value to people. Like what value do you have to provide? For me, I didn't have much. So I was like, okay, if I can get my foot in the door by doing, you know, taking out the trash, changing the water coolers, that was my big thing. I was really good at changing the water coolers, you know, the little things, because I'm relatively strong that I could do that. So, but doing those little things and it, and it builds or getting coffee, right? It builds this camaraderie. And what happens is when you do those things that people aren't willing to do, maybe the grunt work, people will have a level of respect for you. They'll want to help you. And that's a big part of developing this whole research department was it was an extra load on the staff to help get the data I needed, right, to publish and do all these things. But they really wanted to help me. They were already my family, basically, because they saw, look, Brent is willing to go the extra mile and doing this, this and that. So we want to help him as well. I think that's really, really important. It's such a nice story. And like, I think we often on this podcast talk about how human science is and there's, but how human the world is, right? Like not seeing things as sort of these objective ends, but rather as like the human steps sort of to get there and like the relationships that you build that can pave that path and journey versus just like thinking of an analogy of like grades in school or like the next job or it's not just that objective at the end, but it's also the path of the relationships and things that you build along the way. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you look at my qualifications, right, for being director <laughs> of research. Like, I wasn't qualified in the sense that you were just describing of the research background and stuff like that. But it was building the relationships that were the most important. And people all, you know, I think young people tend to overlook that, right? And they're so worried about getting the great grades or getting the internship or whatever. But those relationships, right, I talk about relationships over opportunities, because those relationships are going to last you the rest of your life. It's been probably seven years, right, since I first started working for Dr. Darrow. But he's like my second dad. And, it, you know, it's like <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be that way for the rest of your life. So you never know when these things come in handy. So I like that is building the relationships is, is really important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But also I think it's this 
balance of also not building relationships for those opportunities because people can also sense that too, right? Like it's just this like genuine Mm -hmm. curiosity and care for other people that builds those relationships. And then you never, like you said, you never know whether that's going to be, you know, the next day or whether that's going to be years from now, how those relationships might impact your life later on. I'm also curious, as you were talking about the emails, I could imagine if, that if a student was listening and they're thinking about <laughs> sending an email for a potential, you know, opportunity or someone, or yeah, somewhere they want to work, they're thinking about how to like craft that to be able to get that response. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there is like something special in those emails you sent that oh, got a response? Or <laughs> yeah, what's that no, secret there sauce? <laughs> there is because. One, I think the word you described, you just said, is curiosity, is you want your curiosity to peak. It needs to be apparent that you actually want to do this. Like you said, there's a million, and I've had this email formula that I can give to students. I have a whole PDF that, that we can link in, in the bio or something. But it's it's really about curiosity. And it's really about making it about them and not about you and, okay, I need this opportunity because I need to get into med school and I need to do this and I need that. It's like, no, it's like, why do you want to work specifically for them. What about their practice? What about their upbringing? What about who they are as a person? And we can only get so much of this online, but you know, I dive deep into the 22nd page of Google to sometimes find the things (laughs) that I really connect someone. So initially, yes, it was kind of like, I was curious about stem cells, but when I was sending those emails, it wasn't just copy and paste, copy and paste, copy and paste. Like I really, okay, what about this particular doctor? Maybe it's where they went to school. Maybe it was, you know, I read an article about them online, about helping the community. Connecting with the emotional aspect of who that person is, is I what I believe helps me get those very high response rates, I would say. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think doing it in a authentic, <laughs> authentic yeah. <laughs> way and also like succinct way because yes, sometimes yeah. I've gotten... And I know I've done this in the past too, like sent an email that's like paragraphs long because I'm so excited. And <laughs> and then that can like be a little overwhelming too, yeah. you know? So like really hitting what you're saying, these like key points that are really showing that, that you're connecting with something that they're doing and expressing your curiosity mm-hmm. and doing it in a way that's like also easy for someone to read and digest and understand exactly. what you're paragraphs. asking. That's why I say three paragraphs, <laughs> yes. short and sweet. Max, yeah. You know, yeah. first paragraph is you introduce yourself. Second paragraph, all about them. Why them, basically. And then third paragraph, wrap it up. Because these people are successful. These people are busy. Like, they don't need to read your life story or memoir. You know, it's <laughs> like, let's, let's get to the point. You know, show them curiosity and pique their interest. Mm. Yeah. And probably a strong, clear ask. Like, what is your, what do you actually want from this email? And so was your, your ask was to come shadow just to learn these doctors, right? It, it, or, or just to learn? Oh, okay, idea. just to learn. Yeah, yeah. It should be their I idea see. too, and every and this is another aspect too is everything should be their idea. It's to learn, right? So maybe I'll ask. You know, Doctor Dare was kind of in my area, like I said, I'm from LA, so it's kind of the logical next step would be. But sometimes I reach out to people who aren't in my area, and it would just be, can we set up a 15 minute phone call or a 15 minute Zoom call or whatever that I can pick your brain on some things, or you just want to ask questions, you can ask questions. But it should never be, can you be my mentor? It should never be too big of an ask because like mentor, like I don't even know you. Like mentor, yeah, yeah. and then they think about how much <laughs> like how much time that consumes of their busy schedule to mentor someone. So then it like it negatively impacts their response. It always should be, again, something that you're interested in, whether it's to talk to them on the phone, whether it's to come by their office and see what they do, whatever it might be, you're just hopefully gonna be a less of an inconvenience, right, mm-hmm. with your ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great point. Okay, so I think 
that's amazing on getting there and getting in the door. And thank you for sharing all those experiences and helpful tools. We'll definitely link the email PDF. But now, like once you're in thinking about how to manage your time and productivity in any space, really, but especially for students thinking about all these different opportunities and classes and things with your experience as a student mentor, we're wondering what's the most common mistake or misconception around time management and productivity and what have you seen in your experience? Yeah, so we're at, we're recording this, you know, basically we're New Year resolution time. Everyone has a resolution and I used to think all oh, resolutions are BS, like it's about habits and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and like I do believe a little bit of that, but also like this is a great time of year where we should be encouraging people to change. That's a good thing that people want to change. They feel like they have this blank slate. Right. And this happens a lot at the gym. And but anyway, the first thing I'll, t- I'll talk about is goal setting. We have this thing called the planning fallacy. And what it is, is like we overestimate our capability of accomplishing a certain task. And why is that? Because when we're planning, we're making resolutions, right? We're in our bed, we're in our desk, we're comfortable, right? Everyone thinks they can run a marathon in their bed, cozy, but. How about when you're actually training, right? How about when you're actually on mile 17 of the marathon and you're dead tired, then what? So we have to give ourselves manageable tasks, right? So if your New Year's resolution, right, is to be a better student, one, we should do weekly goals. It's been shown in research that weekly goals are a lot more effective than daily goals just by setting daily goals and that's all you do. Because if you have a bad day, you can make up for it. Because let's say, you know, your weekly goal is to study 10 hours a week. And that doesn't include homework. That doesn't include class time. It includes independent studying that you're studying for your class. So let's say 10 hours, right? That's a manageable. We all think we can do that. But if you do, okay, I'm going to study two hours a day. Well, what if you know your day doesn't go according to plan? Then you feel like crap about yourself. And then you go through this downward spiral and imposter syndrome and all this stuff. But if you have one bad day, well, I can make it up the next day. Or I could spread out those two hours throughout the week so I still make up and hit my 10 hours per week. So my first advice is to set manageable weekly goals. So many students will say, I'm gonna study 20 hours a week. Well, you haven't studied five hours a week. How are you gonna study 20 hours a week just because it's <laughs> yeah. snapping the finger, right? And yeah. that's what we do. And that's the whole part of the planning fallacy is because we have all this motivation now. New Year's, new me, right? We have all this motivation. Well, what happens in February? What happens in March? So we need to set those manageable goals. In terms of productivity, productivity, and this is what I've learned in the last couple of years, especially in my life, is it's more about taking away than it is adding. So when you sit down to study, you could have the best study techniques, the best time management techniques, but if you have your phone next to you, if you have your dog barking, your family, your computer buzzing, all these things that are going to distract you, you're not going to be productive. So the most important part of productivity in, in terms of getting things done is to put yourself in a situation where the only possible thing you have to do is be productive, right? Because if you think about it, when we procrastinate, we don't just stare at the wall, right? And procrastinate and do nothing. No, we grab our phone, we go clean our room, right? We do all these other things that aren't productive, right? But what if you put yourself on the quiet floor of the library and your phone's in the car, you left your phone at home and it was just you, the book, your notes, you, your computer with Wi-Fi off or whatever, it takes all these decisions away from us where the only thing, only possible thing we have to do is to be productive. So I would say those are the two really major things that people should focus on. Yeah, I like that. Setting weekly goals and kind of putting yourself in a position where 
you can be productive, which kind of makes me think about how I feel like a lot of times these this conversation on distractions does come up. And it's like we hear a lot about like how we aren't able to focus and distractions like our phone and social media and like are really the, the challenge mm-hmm. in this. And that's the barrier. It's this fight to overcome these distractions so that we can focus. But I, I feel like there can always be some sort of distraction. Like you're saying, like, you know, we're not just going to stare at a blank wall, but like sometimes I feel like my, my brain can just kind of like make <laughs> up distractions, even if I take everything away. Right. <laughs> and it's like, how do we, or maybe like I can think of a very few, but a couple of people I know that can have seem like they, they don't need as much in terms of like taking away their phone and like being in a quiet room with nothing around, but yet they're still able to like be productive. So I, I guess I'm just mm-hmm. curious, like if it really does feel like these sort of external things mm-hmm. are the source of this challenge, or if there's something more internal that we can work on or that may be able to help us kind of like in this like a bigger Mm -hmm. picture of being able to allow ourselves to focus and pay attention to things yeah i mean i think you make a good point and i like to think of focus like our ability to focus is like a muscle so you have to train it and also people have different capacities just innately based on our genetics there's some people like you said who can focus easier right and they have all these distractions well my thought is like wow if they're able to focus that well with distractions, I can't imagine how good they'll be able to focus if they actually took away all these different things. That's like my thought process, but maybe just who they are, they can focus better. And I, and the whole point is, right, is, is with that being said, is we all have different capacities, right? But we all can train ourselves to focus better. You know, there's some people with ADHD and, you know, they have different neurodiversity and things like that. But the point is, is we want to put ourselves in the best position to do it. Not every day is going to be consistent, right? There's going to be days where something emotional happens, right? And we have all these things going through our mind and, and that makes it hard to study because we have this thing called our working memory. It's kind of our fluid memory. And what happens is, is when we have these thoughts or something emotional happens, it actually takes part of our working memory and it makes us harder for us to focus, harder for us to study, right? So we're not functioning at hundred percent that day, but maybe we're functioning at 70. Well, Let's try to make use of the best 70% we have that day. And I think that's another thing that people think is I need to be completely focused every single day. No, you're going to have good days and bad days, but it's making the most of all that. So one thing that we can do, if you find yourself constantly have thoughts while you're studying and all these things, maybe that's just who you kind of innately are sometimes. But what I want you to do is, is whenever that happens, Close your eyes and focus on your breath for two minutes. So just let your mind go wild. After those two minutes, I want you to write down every thought that came into your mind. So that might take five minutes, 15 minutes, whatever. But what happens is when we write things down, it initiates some sort of neural pathway in our brain that tells us, okay, this is done. It's going to be taken care of because I wrote it down. And it's called like the Xenarch effect or something like that in terms of our working memory. But it allows us to stay more focus into our brain to understand, okay, you know, I have all of these thoughts. I wrote them down. They're being taken care of later in our subconscious. And I found that to, to really help. But again, we all, everything's going to be a different challenge. We just, again, if we put ourselves in the best scenario to succeed, we're going to be a lot more successful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Actually, I think that's something that I try to use because I think a lot of the to-do lists do pop up in in my head a lot when I'm trying to do things. And if I don't write it down, 
then it just keeps coming up later and later and like to remind me and remind me right so I always have like some something I can write it down with too because if I'm then opening up apps that are popping up my other to-do list mm-hmm. then I will just like full like spiral so I need to just like have it separate do what I need to do yeah and then come back and sort of organize it I do that organize all the time. it later like when something comes yeah. into my head while like while I'm focusing or studying or do whatever I always write it down because one one of two things are going to happen. It's going to distract me more than it should, or I'm going to forget it. And I had this great idea that came up in my subconscious and now I forgot it. Right. So for me, it's always, I always like writing it down and the easier, the more quickly you write it down, the easier it's going to be to refocus. Melissa, I have a research fail. I haven't been able to reliably collect muscle activity, energy expenditure, and kinematics in my gait experiments. Yeah, that's a lot of things at once. Have you looked into using the new Delsys Trignolink? It allows you to integrate with many different biomechanical and physiological tools together. Oh, Delsys. Yeah, I've used their EMGs before. I didn't know about this Trignolink module for integrating those different types of data streams, though. That sounds super helpful. Yeah, and it's just as easy to use and reliable as their other tools. And if our listeners would like to enter the draw and have a chance at winning some of the latest Delsus equipment, they can visit delsus.com slash boom. Brent, I'm curious where these are all great tools and like the breathing sort of focusing on your breathing sounds like a practice from meditation or, and I'm just wondering where you've curated all these tools that you offer, offer to people and you also are citing a lot of cool research that sounds like is behind them and what are your top three sources for this type of information? So I read a lot. I think I've evolved is during the pandemic, I really talked about study techniques and I really talked about focus and I really talked about all this stuff because I kind of filled a need where people were learning over Zoom and, you know, it sucks, like learning from your professor over right. Zoom. And now we're like, oh, my God, how do I teach myself the material? Is this me textbook, right? I have no help from the teacher right now. And post-pandemic, I've kind of focused on, okay, here's the study techniques, but what else is there to being a great student? Like, what if, like, what else can we utilize other than study techniques to help us focus, to help us feel good about ourselves, to help us have a sense of balance? So... I think top three, and this is more of just like, I'm going to kind of change the question a little bit into top three things. We could talk about where I get this stuff later, but top three things that you didn't know had such a big impact on your well-being as a student, right? And the first thing is sleep. Sleep is the most important part of your well-being as a student. It's the most important part of overcoming burnout, of overcoming different types of moods that you're in. So that's setting the foundation for everything you need to be getting seven to eight hours of sleep. And then also I take a nap every day around 1.30, like a 20 minute power nap. And it's been shown to improve your memory, improve learning, improve your mood, all these things. So first thing would, would be sleep. The second thing is exercise. And people don't usually associate exercise and learning. Um, but when we exercise, we actually secrete this neuromodulator or a neurochemical called BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor. It's just a fancy molecule in our brain, but it's been shown in research that if we exercise before we study, we can learn things 20% faster, just based on the brain chemistry that's going on after we exercise. So those are really, really big things. It makes you feel good, makes you learn faster, and it actually makes you focus. On my podcast, I interviewed kind of the Godfather, he's a Harvard neuropsychiatrist, and he said, exercising is like giving yourself a little bit of Ritalin and a little bit of Prozac. 
it's like the same thing that happens. And I was like, all right, you're the Harvard guy. Like I didn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) And then the third thing would probably be meditate as well is, you know, a lot of people think meditation is focusing on your breath and being like a monk and you do all this stuff, but there's different types of meditation. There's kind of exteroception meditation where you're focusing on a point or focusing on something in the distance or something like that. There's meditations where you just observe your thoughts, you don't judge them. And that kind of gets back to this point of like, what are we telling ourselves? What thoughts are actually going through our heads? So we know, if I didn't know like, oh, Brent, you don't feel that great about yourself because you've been complacent as a student, you know, and not getting the necessary experience to be a doctor, then what I've known to change. So it's like observing those thoughts. In terms of sources and where I've learned all this stuff, it's a bunch, but I don't know if people listen to the Huberman Lab podcast. I love Dr. Angie Huberman. I get a lot of that stuff from there. So I would say that's a pretty a pretty good resource for, for all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, we both enjoy reading and mm-hmm. listening to these different podcasts that gives these tips. And then I like how you're sort of distilling it even further right. and then like filtering it for what us might be helpful for a student in particular. And I like those tips too, because I think sometimes we're want so bad for there to be these sort of magic things yeah. that we can do that will make us X percent more productive or <laughs> I mean that's what we all look for right that's why I'll, we go on YouTube and look for these hacks and that's a, I think that's a great point sorry to cut you off is like there is no hack there is no hack to be an amazing student there is no hack to lose weight and have a six pack it all requires hard work but you can put systems in place in your life where it makes it a little bit easier to do but yeah that's that's a great point yeah, I've been reading a book called 4,000 Weeks, actually, which is kind of on time management. I don't know if you've read it, but it is like a different spin on time management where it's not like, how can we get more done, but why do we want to get more done? And I think one point that I've really appreciated, too, is like kind of this point around we always want to like feel motivated or feel like we're going to be like excited to do something, but it feels like sometimes it's just like hard to get started on something, hard to get going. And the point was more just like, well, the best way to like get over it is to just accept the fact that you feel that way and that it feels hard and to just get started. And for me, I was, I was kind of curious about your thoughts around like motivation and what really is motivation and do we need motivation Mm. to get started on things? Like, is that what's, is a lack of motivation what's keeping us procrastinating on different projects and are there really ways to get over it or do we just need to get, get started on things and just accept the fact (laughs) that (laughs) we're feeling that way? Yeah. I mean, I think accepting the fact that I think people see you know, people online or very successful people and just think that they're motivated all the time because they have this great life and look, they're in their Lamborghini or they're on their private jet and they must feel motivated. That's why got all those things, quote unquote. But yeah, I think accepting that you're not going to feel great every day, but you're not going to negotiate with yourself. And I think that's the best I've heard numerous people say, and I think it's amazing. Like for me, it's like going to the gym is such a big part of my life. And yeah, there's times I don't want to go or feel tired or feel whatever, but it's like, I'm not negotiating with myself. I'm just going to go. I'm not going to give myself the chance to think I'm just going to get my car and I'm going to go. Right. Some really good things though, then, you know, if we're not feeling motivated and it's great when, if you feel motivated and you can just go sit down and study is we need something small and actionable to be able to do. So let's say you're a student and you have a test coming up, but you don't feel motivated to study. 
right? Because if we think about, oh, I need to go to the library all day and study, that's overwhelming. And it's going to give us a lot of anxiety, a lot of these feelings that are going to prohibit us from actually doing what we need to do. So I don't think about studying for an hour. My magic number is 90 minutes for studying, but think about it. Okay, let me try studying for 15 minutes and let me reevaluate where I am after 15 minutes, because we can all think, and this is what Navy SEALs do is when they go through these crazy trainings of, you know, being up with no sleep for a week, they don't think about, oh my God, I have to do this. It's called hell week for seven days. And, you know, I'm not going to sleep. They think, okay, I can get through 15 minutes of hell and then another 15 minutes. And then you start building these small increments and they turn into something great. Right. So 90 minutes, that's six 15 minute increments. Right. So if you think, okay, I'm going to study for 15 minutes. Okay. Let me try another 15 minutes. Now I'm feeling good. Now I'm feeling in the zone because the reality is it takes us on average, right? This is just an average. It's different for everyone. 23 minutes to feel completely focused. That's what it's shown in research, right? So a lot of that first 23 minutes, at least for me, especially if I'm studying in the morning as my body's getting woken up and I'm doing all these things, like we have to give ourselves time to get in the zone and to get into a rhythm, right? So allowing that first 15 minutes is like, okay, I'm just going to focus on 15 minutes and then I can quit afterwards. If I don't feel it, then okay, today's not my day. I'll try again later. But again, doing 15 minutes of something is better than nothing. Yeah. I like that point. Cause I've done that too. I remember a time where I was feeling really burnt out and like just felt so tired all the time. And like thinking about working for like an hour or two hours, like it just felt and the, the tasks that I was trying to get started on just felt completely overwhelming. And I remember seeing a career coach and she was like, why don't you just try for five minutes? And if you want to keep going after that, you can. And if you don't, and you like really feel like, okay, you need to take a nap and then do that. But at least try to set like you're saying 15 minutes or a time that like really does feel doable and then see how you're feeling but then having that compassion for yourself where it's like okay maybe today really isn't my day and then maybe by like resting that day you know the next day you might be feeling better and you can kind of have that sort of flexibility and able to really like listen to what you need a hundred percent i think that's a really important part that people don't realize as well is like you're gonna have days that you feel like crap and it's just, you're not going to be able to do anything. And that's what I've been in is having that compassion for yourself because I'm in some, you know, especially recently I felt like your body's telling you, you need to rest, right? Your body's telling you you're burned out. So it's like, you're sacrificing the day to win the war per se, right? To have, okay, I'm going to sacrifice one day where I'm feeling like crap to rest. So the next five days are easier for me to get what I need to get done. But another thing is, too, is like, okay, like you shouldn't be feeling like crap every day. Like that's another sign of like what is going on? Like why am I feeling like crap? Feeling like crap, too, is not normal. We should never normalize feeling like crap. And I think that's sometimes that happens when we talk about mental health a little bit is like we should – that's not a normal – we should never want to feel like that. We want to get help, right? We want to recognize that and get help. And to talk a little bit about burnout because it's something that everyone's going to have to come to. There's certain things that can help with that. One is sleep. Sleep is the biggest one. Like you need to give your body time to recover and to rest. That's the number one thing. The second thing is that not many people talk about is social. Like how's your social life? Because you connecting with your friends, your loved ones, people that make you feel good, that's going to help your burnout, right? So don't feel like, oh, like I can't go to the party. I need to grind, grind, grind. Well, sometimes socializing with friends, not sometimes, but all the times makes you feel good. And again, makes you feel better for the rest of the week. 
The last thing that people don't talk about at all is play, this object of play, right? So for you, it might be dance. For me, it's golf. I like playing, you know, with my high school friends now. I play intramural softball or slow pitch softball. That is, again, it's bringing you back to this childlike state, this childlike curiosity, this childlike wonder. It's different for everyone. That's also been shown to really help with burnout. And personally in my life, I found that when I'm feeling burned out, that play aspect, I'm not reverting back to that child and, you know, exploring new things or having fun with my friends and things like that. So those are three things I think people need to focus on if they're feeling burned out. I love that aspect of play. I think Melissa and I have done a lot of design thinking courses and things on this process of how to like problem solve. And I know there's been talk about adding play to like one of the steps of problem solving, which is like incredible to think about. Yeah. Like playing can help you solve a problem. So I think that's a really important note to. Yeah. I think with the the caveat that you have to still do it with the intent for it to be play for the sake of play and not play for the sake of being more productive. Right. Like I feel like there's always this like kind of fine line. Yeah, I feel like exercise can be so good for you, but also doing it to do it, right? And because you're enjoying it versus like doing it for the benefits. Because then I feel like things can like start to feel like a chore a little bit when it feels like it's also a means to to an end. But I like that play is um, starting to become like talked about a little bit more and like thought about in like the process of design thinking and then just like generally in, in your life. It's funny how some things that we would think are like the complete opposite of being productive actually help Mm. us to be more productive. Exactly. Because if you feel like crap, it's hardest to get things done. Like you need to put yourself in a good mood. And if you're in a good mood, your dopamine's high, like you're going to have more drive and motivation to do whatever you want to do. So I always focus, okay, what's going to put me in a good mood? It might be going to the driving range, right? And that'll put me in a good mood. and It'll give me motivation for the rest of the day. So always, always, always think with that in mind. But yeah, I I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So I think we only have a couple questions left, but one of the questions we always ask on the podcast is if you can share a time that you feel like you failed and what you learned from it. We always, we like to kind of try to normalize failure and try to change the narrative on it a little bit. You know, everyone is uh, failing (laughs) some way or another. Yeah, I'm curious if something like that has come up for you recently or like something that stands out in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, failure is such a relative term of what that means, right? So I think for me, like as long as I give my best effort, like there's nothing more I could have done, whether the opportunity works out or not, like I can keep my, it still sucks that it didn't work out and I could still feel upset and frustrated that it didn't work out. But to know it wasn't a failure because I literally did every single thing possible and it just didn't work out because there were things out of my control or it just wasn't meant for me or whatever it is. So yeah, I won't go into the specifics, but there was a time a couple <laughs> years ago that I really wanted this opportunity, right? And I was really close to getting it. So I drove halfway across the country to go put myself out there, to put myself in the best position, right? To get this opportunity because I really wanted it. You know, I really wanted to make a difference. So I did everything possible. I exuded every single possible option of literally moving my life across the country just to be there, just in case it happened or whatever. And it didn't work out. I did everything possible. I had so many people associated with the organization reach out. And, you know, they really, the people felt like they really wanted me there. And at the end, it didn't work out. So I had to move my ass back halfway across the country (laughs) because it didn't work out. 
And it was such a, a life-changing experience because I thought, oh my God, like just the fairy tale ending. Oh my God, I'm going to move. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get in. It's going to be, it's, it's going to be a memoir. It's going to motivate so many people, you know, like, people are going to be they're gonna make a movie about, me, you know, all this. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. All this stuff. Right. But like, and it didn't work out. So it really sucked that it didn't work out. Like if you put that much effort and you want something so bad, it shouldn't feel good that it didn't work out. But at the same time, I wasn't mad at myself. I wasn't mad at them, right, at all. It just didn't work out. And kind of coming back to that, I put myself in the best possible scenario. There was nothing else I could have done. And the reality was that it just didn't work out. And if you read about very successful people or just people in general, like things don't always work out. And it doesn't matter if you put in 100% effort. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. and You got to live with it. But it's easier to live with failure, quote unquote, if you know you gave it your best shot. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Totally. So, yeah, it was I, it I'm was impressed. super hard. But <laughs> <laughs> it's super hard, and, you know, and, and you have to realize, too, like you have to be yourself. So maybe people at that organization didn't like that I did that. Right. They thought it was too pushy or I was being too forward or whatever. And that's the reality is we're all different people. But. I rather fail being me and true to who I am than try to please someone else and try to be someone different based on the the scenario, right? So not everyone's going to like your best effort or not everyone's going to appreciate your best effort, but it's really important that you're good with yourself because you gave it your best. Yeah, I feel like that's been a strong note throughout this conversation, which I really appreciate both the gentleness with yourself and also the authenticity to yourself and finding ways to sort of make sure that's always able to be expressed to the its fullest extent, which seems to be like what well-being is for a lot of people. So I really appreciate that. We always like to ask one last question about the future, but before that, what is the best way to, for people to follow you and your teachings? Obviously the podcast, but you mentioned Instagram. What are all the different ways we can follow along? Yeah. So on Instagram, Instagram is kind of my major platform. It's at the real student mentor. And then I also have a podcast is the student performance podcast where I talk about all these subjects. So yeah, I briefly mentioned exercise. I briefly mentioned meditation, briefly mentioned sleep. Well, I go, I dive deep into not only the research, right? What's going on, but also how you can implement exercise, sleep, meditation, all these different modalities into your life. So if you want, if you're curious about, you might not care about exercise, but you like meditation or vice versa, there's whole episodes about that that you can check out. And it's, it's a visual podcast. So I have a YouTube channel where I kind of, you know, there's a bunch of stuff going on in your brain and things like that, that you can check out as well. So yeah, I would say follow me on Instagram at the real student mentor and then follow the YouTube channel, the student performance podcast. Perfect. Yeah. That'll be an incredibly great resource for everyone listening. And our last question is what are you most excited about for the future of, we'll say student well-being? Um, so in terms of like where the student well-being is going or in terms of what I'm working on. You can on, take that or, in any, however you'd like to answer that. <laughs> yeah. I think what I'm most excited about is, is people are really interested in like the science around well-being. And I think more and more is like this is being kind of put in onto social media and different, you know, people like you have done an amazing job is people are interested in the science. People are interested in how to feel better. And there's actually ways people are learning that there's actual ways you can implement your life. Like you don't have to stay the person who you are today forever, right? I didn't have to stay 
Brent in college forever. I can make actionable steps that you can implement into your life every single day to be better. So I think people are starting to realize that a whole lot more and are starting to implement a lot of the biology and a lot of the implementation of it. So I think that's what excites me most. Yeah, it is exciting. It's exciting, I think, that people are so engaged with it. It's exciting that there is like funding for yeah. studying the well-being of, of people and students in particular. And I think it's also helped, like I think the value of well-being is starting to really shift towards something really positive. So it's great to hear that you're excited about that as well. And we appreciate that you're sharing all of these tips and really actionable steps for people to take to not just improve their productivity or performance, but improve their well-being and their fulfillment and just enjoying life generally. So we really appreciate everything that you do and that you came on the podcast with us. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think that gunner mentality of having to grind 24-7 and not sleep, I think that's slowly (laughs) being... You know, I mean, there's there's people who can do it and who are have great lives and just genetically can do it. But I think that kind of persona is being less glorified, which I think is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Definitely. Thanks, Brent. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was this was a lot of fun. Thanks so much to Brent for taking the time to be on Boom. And thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the interview and learned something from the episode, make sure to let us know and share this episode with someone you think would find value in it. We'd like to say a big thank you to the International Society of Biomechanics, the Stanford Neuromuscular Biomechanics Lab, and Peter Washington for the amazing music that you hear. If you would like to submit a research fail, a person to interview, get involved in any way, just email us at biomechanicsonourminds at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at biomechanicsoom. And you can check out Boom on YouTube as well. You can also reach out to us by going to our website, biomechanicsonourminds.com. And there's a link there that you can send us a message. It's a really cool website. It's super (laughs) cool. You can read more about Boom. Yeah. You can go back and listen to every Past episode. Every episode yeah. yeah. You can see a lot of our faces like everywhere if you don't really know what we look yeah, like. Yeah, you can see us eating sandwiches. <laughs> In and so outside if you of gone Boom. Yet, if you haven't hopped on there yet, make sure to do that. This, this is year. your year. This is your year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Melissa. And I'm Hannah. Biomechanics Bio off our minds. Yeah, 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 yeah.